I'm so excited to be talking to you. My name is Joey. A lot of you know that because I just heard like 50 people say my name. Praise the Lord. Good to hear from you. I'm so glad to be talking to you this morning. Today is Palm Sunday. Three people are like, I know what that is. Yeah. Palm Sunday is... Uh, the, it's a few days before the day that Jesus was crucified. And yeah, next week, next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating Easter when Jesus rose from the dead and he conquered death. And we love that and we know what that is. And that is awesome and it's exciting. But the story of Palm Sunday has a lot of relevance too. And we're going to be looking at that today. I don't know how many of you are reading your Bible a lot. I encourage you to read your Bible. I encourage you to study what is in there because it's incredible. It will change your life forever. Those are living, powerful, transforming words in there. But I'm going to sum up a lot of the Bible for you. The Bible is full of stories where basically God says to humans, I want you to go and do this thing. And then later the author of the Bible will come in and say, and the humans did not do that thing. That's like every, it's true. That's like so many stories in the Bible. And Palm Sunday is really very much a similar story. We all struggle with listening to God and accepting him. And the Bible is full of all these moments where God comes along to rescue a group of people who miss him, who reject him, and who disobey him. And that's kind of the whole point of why we come together as a church is because we know that we couldn't do things on our own. So God had to step in and save us for us. And so this story is going to go right along with that. The big thing I want you guys to catch with me as we read through this passage and talk this morning, I really want you guys to catch that sometimes we don't really know what we're being loyal to when we think we're being loyal to something good. And sometimes we think we're being loyal to God, but we're not being loyal to God we're being loyal to our idea of God. Sometimes we don't want God himself. Just our idea of God that makes us comfortable and fits with us. And we say, God, you have to move within this small space in my life. God, you have to answer my prayers this way. God, you need to fix the government the way I think it needs to be fixed and the way my party wants it to be fixed. God, you need to fix my marriage by fixing my spouse. God, you need to fix my parents so that my household will be fixed because I'm not the problem. My parents are the problem. God, I need you to save my anxiety by changing everyone else's behavior. Am I, is this too much? Do I need to tone it down? We're going to look at this. It's so easy to do this. It's so easy to get wrapped up in thinking that I'm defending principles of God, but I'm really defending me and the way that I want God to work. And so take your Bibles. We're going to have it up here on the screen too. We're going into Luke chapter 19. I want you to read this with me. As he was drawing near Jesus... Already on his way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. They were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near to the city, he wept over it, saying, would you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your 
visitation. Let's break this down. Let's look at this. At this moment in history, Jesus is riding on a colt and he's approaching Jerusalem. And the Jews surrounding him, they're crying out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, this is a famous phrase from their scriptures. It's in our Bibles, and they had their own version of a Bible back then in the book of Psalms. And there's this famous passage in the book of Psalms that says this. Save us, O Lord, we pray. Lord, give us success. And then right then after that, it says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, we have our traditions, right? Every Easter, we get together and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Every Christmas, we celebrate when Jesus was born. They had their traditions, too. If you back up around this same time for them every year, the Jews would get together in their homes and they would read this psalm. They would look at this together as a family. And then they would also read the stories about how God delivered them from slavery more than a thousand years ago. More than a thousand years before this story happened, the Jews were in captivity under another body, another government. And what happened was God sent a deliverer, his name was Moses, to go in and act on God's behalf to set the people free. And God performed incredible miracles. He performed plagues. He did all this flashy, amazing, supernatural stuff, and he set them free, and he brought them out of there. So they get together every year, and they reflect on this. And they remember this, and they go, okay, someday God's going to do this again. Someday God is going to deliver me again. Fast forward to here we are more than a thousand years later, and the Jews are living under the Romans now. So it's not the Egyptians, but it's a similar situation, and they feel that they are in captivity, and they want freedom, and they know their deliverer is coming, and this deliverer is going to bring them freedom and success, it says in the Psalms. So they're waiting for freedom, and they're waiting for success. So Jesus is walking into Jerusalem, and they're going, let's go! This is it. Here we go. He's here. Rome is going down. You see it? And Jesus begins to weep. And he cries. Why? Because Jesus didn't come to destroy Rome like they thought he did. Jesus came to rescue Rome. And everyone else like you and me. Jesus didn't come to kill our enemies. He came to rescue our enemies. Jesus came to rescue everybody from a bigger enemy that our minds weren't fixed on. We had our minds fixed this way on our enemies, and Jesus came to rescue us from the biggest enemy. That's our sin and the evil enemies who like to torment us in our sin. He came to attack that. This is the most wild part of the story for me. While Jesus is riding into the city, it's the Pharisees who are yelling at him. Pharisees were religious, important teachers of the day to the Jews. And they're yelling at Jesus and they're saying, you need to shut them up, Jesus. Quiet them because they think you're here to rescue them from Rome and we know that's not what you're here to do. So you can't be the, the rescuer that we're expecting. You must be somebody else. See, they don't get it. And again, this is where I want to I hang out this morning, church. This is where I want to hang out with you. This is like the it of what's going on here in this very relevant passage of scripture for us. They wanted their old idea of God to come and save them. And in the process, they rejected God himself in the flesh when he actually came to save them. It's very, very scary how easily we get misdirected with our loyalty. They wanted their idea of God. They didn't want God himself. Now, the Jews 
had an agreement with God. They called it a covenant. They had this arrangement with God where God would be their God and they would be uh, his people. And in that arrangement, there was a temple where the presence of God would show up in the city of Jerusalem. And so they would do various things and meet in this temple and the presence of God would be there and they would get a small glimpse of God's presence physically there with them through that. Well, what's amazing is here comes God himself in the flesh to spend time with the Jews and they go, no, we don't want that. I want you to leave my temple alone. Don't come, you, don't come touch my temple, Jesus. Don't come change my old covenant because that's how I meet with God. And God's like, I'm right here. And I want to meet with you and you won't let me because you want to protect the old, barely glimpse of a version of how I used to meet with you. Again, they wanted not God, just their idea of God. So let's apply this to all of us today a little bit. The last year has been kind of nuts. What are some of our temples? A little more than a year ago, COVID-19 hit. That wrecked a lot of things. Um, it's amazing how a lot of us were moving in a direction that, that I think some of us were comfortable with. We had plans. We had careers. We had family structures and we had systems. I know that I'm working towards this goal and I want to accomplish this and here's the American dream and our kids are in school and they have their routine and everything is predictable and they know when they're going to see their friends. Teenagers, I know this was hard for you. You had a life kind of planned out for you throughout high school. You, you had it figured out and then all of a sudden everything gets turned regardless of where you stood on the issue of what happened with COVID-19 and how everybody handled it. All of our lives were torn upside down, right? It gets blown away. Did you guys ever stop to think that maybe God wanted to disrupt our system a little bit because he wants to build something better? And we were doing all right. I know not everybody. We've all had our struggles. There was a lot of division in America for sure. There was a lot of things going on. But for the most part, things made sense to us. We had a system that was working. And we say in our prayer life, well, God, I want you to come and I want you to do amazing things in my life. And God goes, okay, here I go. I'm going to come and do it. And we go, no, don't do it that way. And I do, I'm speaking from the heart because I've done this for most of my life. Where I've, I've gone through periods in time in my life where I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to pray that God does this because this will fix it. And then I go, God, you're not answering my prayer. And God goes, so I'm trying to fix it, but you keep wanting me to do it the wrong way. Because that's all you see, because you're fixated on that. Because you have your temple where I make sense to you and where I fit with you. And you've, you've shoved me into this little box that you shouldn't have created in the first place. Or maybe God did create the box because it was good for me at the time. Maybe there was a season in my life where I needed that temple like they did so God could meet with me. And now God's like, now I want to bring you further and bring in a better fulfillment. I want to take your old covenant down. I'm going to build a new one with you. And I go, no, you must not be God. Because I like my temple. And this was something really hard for all of us, I think, during COVID-19, is that different generations handled this differently, right? I'm not out to pick on anybody. Well, that's not true. I'm going to pick on everybody. Uh, older generations, I hear all the time, don't you dare tell me what to do. I built America. You don't tell me what to do. I know, it's hard. And, and now, older generations who liked, you know, uh, essentially the lives they were able to build for so many years, uh, we, we forced them to do things like live in the digital space. Zoom call after Zoom call. Oh, my Lanta. I'm still doing it today. Everything was so different, and now we're forcing them into it. That was hard. 
Younger people, it's kind of the opposite. They lived in the digital space. In fact, scientists think that they live in the digital space so much, it's incredibly unhealthy for them. They're spending too much time there. And then COVID hits and we go, well, we need to have you spend even more time there. See no one. Talk to no person. What? That's hard. Our temples are shaken. And we cry out to God and we say, God, bring it back to normal. Give me back my normal. And God comes along and God goes, maybe I've got something better for you. I think it's time to tear your normal down. And let me build something else. When I was a kid, I grew up in church. And I remember one of the greatest ways I loved to experience God was I would go to these worship conferences and these big church services. I, I grew up in that. I don't know what your experience was like, but I grew up in that. And I, I loved it when they would do these big altar calls. Do you know what an altar call is? An altar call is when the speaker at a conference or a church service or whatever would, would have everybody come on down to the front in front of everyone so that you could like dedicate your life to Jesus and you could make like a public stance in front of everyone and raise your hands and you'd probably cry, especially if you were a teenager like me, you just were emotional and you'd cry about it and you'd just give your life to God right there. And I love that and that's how I experienced God. And I remember thinking, I want other people to experience it just like this. Talk to a 17 or an 18 year old today. Tell them to come on right down here in front of all of us, right to the altar and have an altar call. They're getting anxiety just thinking about it. That's not how they live. That's not how they think. And that idea doesn't really work for them like it did for me. And I have to accept that. And I know it's sometimes hard for us to say, well, I want to see God move. But in order for God to move, he's got to show up this way. There's got to be these revivals. And there needs to be the Billy Graham 2.0 who comes in and 50,000 people come and they meet him and they give their heart to Jesus. And look, there's nothing wrong with any of that. That's all great. But maybe God's building something new and reaching people in the space that they're at where they need him next. And it's okay to let Jesus come in and tear down that old temple Though it's hard to let it go, it's okay to do that. I think when we saw churches shutting down, this was really, really difficult for us. Because, again, I love, I'm, we're here right now and I love this. I don't know if you are listening to me or not, but I love this. And I'm enjoying spending time worshiping with you and praying with you and talking with you. But God forced me to start to think about talking to people in little groups and to start having to purposefully call people and check in on them and talk to them about Jesus in light of the times. And I had to do things differently. And then I realized, oh my gosh, though, these are people I really wasn't reaching before. These are people that weren't able to minister to me before. Oh man, there were things that were wrong with me. God's honest truth. In the last year, the thing I've learned the most is that I had problems. <laughs> and I didn't really know I had them, you know? I thought I was doing pretty good, and I know God, and God knows me, and, you know, come hang out with me, and you'll learn something. Oh, my goodness. God shook that up. And I'm not saying that God specifically sent the virus, and God wants churches to close their doors. Don't, don't take it that far. I want you to just understand this. God never left being in charge, and he always knew that things would be built, and things would come down, and God wants us to know how to move through it season by season, because he's always building something in your heart in your life, in your soul for eternity and in the people around you. But Jesus in this story weeps because we would rather put him on the cross sometimes than lose our temple. And human beings are very easily addicted to what they know. 
We like what we know. So God gave me a huge wake-up call with this when I had children. I was raised in a Christian family. I think I've told you that. And I loved my family, and I loved uh, going to church. I was in church all the time. Um, I have friends who grew up outside of church, and they came to know Jesus much later in life, and it's amazing how different our, our lives were. Anything that happened in church, I was there. We did music together. We did kids' ministry together. We did outreaches together, and we fed the hungry together. There were prayer nights. You name it, we were there. My dad even had a slogan. Dad, are you watching online right now? I'm going to talk about you. We had, he had this slogan that if, if the doors were open, we were in the church. If the doors are open, we're there. And, and I'm not knocking that, by the way, because again, I liked that. That worked for me. So here I am now. I have a family. My first child is my adopted daughter. I didn't even know her for the first eight years of her life. And so right away, I'm like, God, the things that I would do to raise my children the way I know with the things that worked for me, I didn't know. I don't even get to try that. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be a father and tell them about you and tell them about wisdom and, and the love of Jesus because I'm starting from a weird place that's unfamiliar to me. And God was just kind of like, yeah, you got to trust me. Sorry. He didn't say sorry. My second daughter is autistic. Loud worship nights are bad for her. Hours and hours of prayer nights are difficult for her. And here I am again going, okay, God, the things that I know to do, the way that I experienced you in my temple, I want to pass that on to my kids. And I can't because it's going to hurt my kids because you want to do something different with them. And now I could choose to force my traditions on them and say, no, this worked for me. It's going to work for you. Do as you're told. I could do that or I could let God take that down and let him minister in a new way, taking the same beliefs and principles of my traditions and giving them to my kids, but building new traditions out of them, building new temples out of them. We can do this with anything. If you think about the way we treat our spouses and how our marriage should look, we have an example. We have a template that society gives us, and we get comfortable with that. Some of it's good. Some of it's not. We can take things that we do with any of our family traditions and we can hold on to them and we can, we can use them as stability and as comfort. But sometimes God wants to come and do a new thing in us and he's not going to be able to accomplish that new thing if we force him to fit our tradition, even if it was a biblical-looking tradition, even if it's a religious tradition, even if it's a godly tradition. Again, please hear me because this is kind of tricky. I'm not saying these things were bad. I'm saying they were good for when they happened. And that God has been around for eternity. And society has gone through thousands and thousands of years of change. And we change. God doesn't change. But God knows we change. God knows that we grow. And God knows that we don't live in a vacuum. And that he has to be able to give us the truth in ways that our little brains can comprehend it. And so that has to move through times and seasons and, and change. All right, let's play a little game. I want you to imagine that Governor Cuomo is the Caesar of Rome. For some of you, this is easier than others. <laughs> Don't get stuck on that. 
Okay, so over the last year, some people have gotten really upset with, with Cuomo, right? Maybe they didn't like how he handled the COVID outbreak. Maybe they didn't like some of his policies before that. Uh, maybe they're frustrated with some of the things that have come to light with him and his relationship with, with women or whatever. So let's put all of that aside, right? Now imagine that somebody else comes along and says, God is going to deliver New York State from its oppression. Wherever you're watching from, God's going to deliver your state from oppression. Okay, then Jesus shows up in Albany. And he's walking up to all the politicians. And we're like, here it comes. Jesus is going to do it. Here it comes. Y'all wicked. You're going down. Jesus is going to do it. And then Jesus goes, what? Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not here to, to even deal with that. I'm here to save him from his sin. I'm here to save him from his sin, which is equal to your sin, by the way. So that you guys can actually love each other and work together and, and, and serve me at the same time. That's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to destroy your, your enemy, who you like or don't like or whoever. I'm, I'm, I'm here to rescue him so you guys can work together and usher in something new. And we can get so fixated on this or we can either, we have a choice here now when this happens. We can either go, oh wow, God, I was deceived. I missed it. I, I, you know, I had my eyes on something else. Or we can go, well, that's not God. Get rid of this dude. I'm going to keep waiting. I'm going to keep waiting for God to show up and answer my prayer. I'm not wearing a watch. I'm just trying to make a statement. <laughs> the people in Luke 19, their loyalty was to their institution. It wasn't to the God who gave them the institution. And so we have to be so careful where we don't fall in love with the institution so much that we miss the God that the institution was all about in the first place. And this is true of all of everything in our lives. This is true of our jobs. This is true of our relationships and our, our families and our friendships and our, our, our goals and our church. This is true of all of it. It's all got to hinge on who Jesus is and what he wants to do. Otherwise, what happens is we end up saying, oh, we love God, but he's not there. He's come and he's gone and we're waiting and crying out to him. And we missed it. It doesn't obviously have to be this way. I know this is, um, this might sound like a difficult message and like I'm yelling at everybody, including myself, but the fact of the matter is um, we, can, we can turn this around really quick and really easy. This whole series about deception, dealing with deception has been so good for us because it makes us all stop and go, God, where do I think I have it right? And maybe I need to take a harder look and say, have I, have I missed something? Let me pull back every principle I believe in. Let me pull back every layer of what I like and, and what I think and how people should behave and what the world should look like and what politics should look like and how we should feed the poor and how we should do this and that. Let me peel all of that back and say, God, was there a spot where the enemy got in and I was a little deceived and I started, I started being built crooked instead of being built straight with you? Did that ever happen? We can do that. I can tell you, I'm going to wrap up with this. We'll close with this. I can tell you personally that I've experienced this where I had my idea of God and not God, and God radically turned that around. I didn't want to get married. I was in my young 20s, and I had this really great religious-sounding idea where I said marriage is a waste of time because you have to focus on your spouse and your kids and your home and you're keeping up with the Joneses, and I just want to serve God. Unhinged, I said. So 
I you know, made all these plans. And ironically, I met my wife here at Believer's Chapel, and she actually felt the same way. As we got to know each other, she was like, yeah, I'm not getting married either. Um, spoiler alert, we're married. And um, it's amazing how I look at my life now, and I cry sometimes because I'm so I'm overwhelmed with the blessings I have. If I didn't have my wife, I would be a pretty rough person. If I didn't have my kids, I can't, I can't imagine my life without my kids. And I didn't want any of that because I told God that this was my temple. And I said, God, don't touch my temple. I'm doing, I built it for you anyway. We did this together, God, you and me, and we're going to go keep doing it together. And thank God for being faithful enough to come in and knock my temple to pieces. Because what he's built me is so much better than I ever thought. I could have. And this can be true of all of us. If we can let things go, if we can stop getting mad at each other for not doing things the way we want them to be done and say, well, maybe God's going to operate this space in a new way and build something better that lasts for eternity. If we can do that, a lot's going to happen. A lot's going to change. A lot of the things we want to see change in our society in general, things that we do think are good, you know how you're going to get them to change? Get out of the way. And work together and love each other and let God build something new out of it that doesn't fit all of our preconceived notions and ideas. It doesn't mean you have to drop all of your convictions. It doesn't mean you lose your faith. It doesn't mean you lose your principles. It means you just let God take center stage in them. If there's anybody here who's watching this or here in this room who's listening to this, if you've never even given God that first opportunity to actually be your rescuer, if you don't know what it means to call God your rescuer, your savior, I want to give you the chance to do that today. So we can all respond to this differently. But for those of you who don't know God personally, you haven't decided that he's the one who deserves your life and he should come in and knock down your old life so he can build something new with you. I want you to have the chance to do that. So I want, we're all going to pray this together. And, and you can remember this. You can pray this with me now. Or you can remember this prayer and go pray it on your own later. But I want you to remember these words because here's a great way to start by giving your life to God and letting him build a new temple in you. Ready? You just say, let's say it out loud together. We do this with me. I want you to just say, dear God, I'm sorry where I missed it. I know that you are the real God and you love me and you've come to rescue me from my sin and from myself. Take away my old life. Give me the new life that you've always wanted to give me. Thank you for what you paid so I could have that life. And then just say in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that and you believe that, congratulations, it's the greatest thing you've ever done. If you're in this room or you're watching online and you've prayed this prayer before, but you never really saw it manifest, you never really was able to commit to a lifestyle where that, that prayer made sense to you, it's not too late. You didn't miss it. Even if you've rejected God a thousand times, as soon as you turn around, you'll realize he didn't go anywhere. And that is so cool. I'm a tear up. Thank you, God. And so you can still give God everything. Look inside yourself and say, God, 
I want you to tear down the things that I built, whether it's to, to, for self-preservation, out of my fear, out of hurt that's happened to me, even out of good things. I had good goals. I had dreams. I had visions. I want you to let God come in and look at it all and say, God, I, I'm going to let it go. I'll let you take it so you can put something better there. I'll do it. Easier said than done, but when you start telling God that, he'll start to work in you slowly. He's, he's God. He knows what he's doing. He's careful. He's smart. He can handle you. He knows how to delicately go in and deal with our problems and bring us somewhere better. We just need to let him. Amen? Would you all stand with me? We're gonna, we're gonna wrap this up with some worship and kind of respond to this. You can stay seated if you want to. You can reflect on what God's doing in your heart. However you need to encounter him, but let's just respond for a moment. Let God look inside and say, is it, is it all on Jesus? Or do I have something else there that looks really Jesus-y, but it's not Jesus? And let him deal with that, amen? Storm begins. 